Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to another episode of Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. And actually, we can make it a little bit of an announcement now. We're part of uh, the Pigskin, Pigskin Podcast Network. Uh, we're the Minnesota Vikings representative of that. And so super excited about that partnership and uh, keep your ears open for uh, an opportunity that you'll have later in the podcast with uh, with our ad read. But I want to start off, Kyle, how are you doing? Feeling a lot better this morning after, you know, I realized when I was going to bed last night, I was thinking, man, like I feel like I feel happier <laughs> since like I feel like I was just kind of like more at ease and more more comfortable. I was thinking to myself, man, these past two Sundays, I've been so upset about what the Vikings have done. And so uh, I was happier last night going to bed. and I'm happier this morning talking to you, drinking my coffee. So I'm, I'm feeling feeling OK. I, I don't think you're alone in that. It feels like there's just been a massive mood shift with everyone yes. um, yep. following this team and, and the narrative yep. has changed. And, and that was all like, you can nitpick some things aside uh, or you can yep. nitpick some things there with that game. But overall mm-hmm. that was a pretty solid game. I mean, I mean, you're like, I mean, you, you know what this is cause you're, you're a Maple Leafs fan. And so Maple Leafs fans are the same thing. I mean, you've ride that roller coaster where you you play well, you beat you know a big team, a, like a rival to a certain extent, and um, I mean I don't know how much you want to say it's a rivalry if they always beat us, but now we finally beat them, right? And so you you just feel like you're on top of the world, right? And then you lose, and you feel like you're just you know the worst team going kind of thing. And so I think there are some teams, you know, fan bases do this quite a bit, but I think there are some teams that are maybe more prone to it than others. You know, I think the Maple Leafs fan base is more prone to it than others. I think the Vikings fan base is more prone to it. Like the Lions fan base, I just, I don't think they expect very much. I don't think they ever really have hope or expectations. So they don't really ride that roller coaster. I think they're just always down. Right. And then I think like, you know, New England back in the Brady days, it was like, you know, fine, we hit a snag. Well, you know, we'll bounce back. Like they never really got too low because they've seen so much success. But I think with the Leafs, with the Vikings, yeah, one game or one little stretch of games can make a big difference in our collective psyche. Absolutely. Um, and before we transition to first down, you mentioned the Lions. And did you see the Justin Tucker kick yesterday? Well, so I didn't actually see it. Um, okay. I, I saw that. So it's a 66 yarder, which I believe is an NFL record. I mean, Justin Tucker's sensational, right? Like he, he's yeah. he's a historically great kicker. And wasn't that? I think. A buddy had messaged me and said Justin Tucker's kick went for more yardage than the entire Chicago Bears offense yesterday, or maybe it was just oh, referring wow. Justin Fields. Like I'm going to look that up now. Um, I know that Justin Fields had a really rough start to his career, um, yeah. and so he was saying that both as um, both as uh, you know, kind of like look at how amazing this kick is. This is crazy for the Lions to lose this way, but also. Look at how incredibly poorly uh, the Bears did, and it's kind of unfortunate because I like Justin Fields, and I think that he's actually going to end up being, you know, a good player. But mm-hmm. yikes, what a start to his career! Uh, yeah. yeah, he went six for twenty for sixty-eight yards, and so I don't know if his stat was referring to, not quite sure what it was referring to at the time, but I mean, sixty-six yard field goal 
Justin Fields in his entire day had 68 yards passing. So uh, not a great start for the rookie. <laughs> not good. Not ideal. No. Um, no. No. It, uh, it was wild just to see. And I think as I was watching, I was like, I was wondering, like, I know we saw the missed field goal last week. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as looking at it from the Vikings perspective and seeing this made field goal to like break history and like yes. it literally like, bounced off the bottom of the goal post and right. went in and like it was just unbelievable to watch and I, I wonder yep. as a Lions fan like I know when I texted you after the miss last week you're like of course like that's just this is yeah, how yeah. it goes yeah, yeah. Um, and for the Detroit Lions I'm sure that it's a similar reaction um, well, I think the biggest thing that I saw with the Lions fans when I was reading some of the comments in the article was apparently they missed like a blatant delay of game. Like apparently, so they had, there was like at least a couple seconds. So there was a delay of game. So it should have been a 71 yarder, not a 66 yarder. And so the, the refs just totally botched it. And of course it's the Lions, right? Like, of, of course. And so you just say like, of course, you know what I mean? Like it, with, with the Vikings, they give us some sense of hope. Like maybe this is finally it, right? And I don't think the Lions ever give that to their fans <laughs> to be honest i don't know if they ever really have hope no shout out to anyone who sticks by those teams because yeah it's, it's, totally it is it is rough rough going yeah. um let's talk about the vikings let's talk about kirk cousins uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i know you text me after yesterday's game and as a fan like i think that we can all say no matter where you stand on kirk cousins he played really well he really played really well yesterday. He's played really yep. well so far in the season. Um, yeah. What did you see from him in yesterday's game in particular that you really liked? So I think so. And if you go back and, and watch Jim's post-game press conference, I always find it interesting to see, uh, you know, kind of what he says in the immediate aftermath, whether it's success or failure. And the, the wording that he used to describe, he was using words like outstanding, decisive, leadership, um, all in reference to Kirk Cousins. And, you know, that's basically, that was basically it. Like he was, Kirk Cousins was so good yesterday that our, that our defense didn't have to be good. Right. Like in, so in the opening half, our defense wasn't, didn't play particularly well. Right. And then we got a bit of a gift. They missed that field goal. Uh, And then from there, I mean, the defense played better, but Cousins was so good. They had these long methodical drives the defense didn't have to do too much. And so it's interesting. You know, there are times when one phase of the game can be so good, so dominant, that the other phase ends up looking good. Like if a defense, you know, is constantly pinning another team deep in their own zone, they have to punt from like their own nine-yard line. And so they're, you know, your offense gets the ball at like the 45, or if you force a turnover, you know, and their offense can start at like the 23-yard line, and they only have, you know, basically just a few yards to go for the score. You know, that's an instance where the defense is so dominant that the offense ends up scoring a lot of points looking good. Yesterday, it was the opposite. The offense was so dominant towards the end of the first half and in through the second half, the defense ended up looking good. And that was largely because of Cousins, right? So the offensive line has played better. Um, let's give them credit. Justin Jefferson was really, really good yesterday when I thought he was just kind of so-so in week one and week two. Uh, Alexander Madison played well. But Cousins was really the one that pulled it all together. And he did it without Dalvin Cook, right, who, generally speaking, is really the engine of the whole offense. Uh, But Cousins, yeah, Cousins was so good that I thought that he basically made the whole team work, right? It wasn't just that the offense succeeded, 
but the offense was so successful that it made the defense's life considerably easier, right? Because, goodness, I, I could defend Russell Wilson if Russell Wilson's on the bench, right? Like, you know, I could be the lousiest edge rusher in the world, right? But if, if Wilson never leaves the bench, then no problem at all. I can defend him, right? So I, I just thought Kirk Cousins was was brilliant yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, like, it it definitely felt like his best performance of the season. Um, not yes. that he, the first two have been yep. bad. It was really fascinating to hear. I know there's some comments about Mark Sanchez and having him up in the booth and uh, yeah. different comments. And it's just funny how, yeah. uh, obviously, he had some success as a quarterback, but like he's remembered for the butt fumble. Uh, he, like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Things that's right. That are, which is like so unfortunate for a career just for that to be uh, your yeah. legacy. Like the guy went to, like, had, had playoff success. Um, yes. But, but for him to be able to, talk about how good Cousins was and like there was that one um I believe it was a third down where he like the pressure just absolutely like poured through all the holes of the offensive line like the the one yeah. one of the few plays the offensive line didn't look good and for him yeah. to get that throw off um yeah. like he just was marveling at some of the things that Cousins does and yeah. it's always encouraging when you hear someone like that talk about just the the, the things that he does well that you just underappreciate well, first, okay, so first thing here, and I'm going to lob a question over to you because I, I want to respond to a couple things you said there. But um, Vikings fans didn't like Akib Tlaib, uh in week two, and I, I didn't think he was a very good announcer. Um, I just think he made a lot of mistakes. But did you like Mark Sanchez? Did you think he called the good game? I liked him better than um, Tlaib, but yeah. I, I think that – I think it's it's a hard skill. Like, I think even for It us, is a hard skill. Like, it's, it's, yeah we're figuring stuff out with just like podcasting. We're just like talking like to actually yeah. break down game. Like I think that yeah, Tony Romo didn't help anyone out in the sense he just like jumped in and was just like phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I thought he did like good, like average, yeah. like, like I thought he was, he was fine. Um, yeah. I actually thought he was pretty good as well. Like I think a lot of these like former players come in and everyone in their mind is saying, yeah, but he's not Romo. Right. Or if you're like really bad, like to leave, I thought was really not good at all. Um, but I thought actually Mark Sanchez was pretty good. And like you said, that perspective, um, I think a lot of the guys, and this isn't necessarily the case for Tony Romo, but I think a lot of the guys who end up being successful in that role, uh, are guys who are maybe a bit more of like a journeyman quarterback or maybe had kind of depth kind of thing. Cause then a lot of time in that role, you're studying the game. You're kind of like a coach on the sidelines, right. And you're kind of analyzing as you're playing. And so I think that maybe equips you with a certain degree of knowledge and vocabulary. Not that you wouldn't have the vocabulary before, but like you have to articulate what you're seeing on the sideline. And so I actually thought Sanchez was pretty good. And I was wondering during the game, I was thinking like, like towards the end of his career, like he wasn't, you know, this like great, you know, franchise quarterback like the Jets were originally hoping. So I kind of wondered if if that journey maybe helped him a little bit with his broadcasting. But in any case, uh, I found it funny that Sanchez kept calling Cousins the executioner. And my my wife brought that up as if, like, you know, because you think, like, if someone's, like, a stone-cold killer out there, they're just, like, clutch, right? They just, like, nothing rattles them. Like, if this dude's, like, an executioner, he just just goes out, you know, in that two-minute drill and can just destroy the opponent. And I was saying, like, no, no, I think, like, Sanchez more so means in the sense of, like, he does a really good job of executing the game plan. Like, he's, like... This is, these are your responsibilities. You need to execute the responsibilities. And if you do, the team will be successful, generally speaking. 
And I think that was more so what Sanchez was getting at. Um, but yesterday, he was more than just this kind of humdrum executioner. You know, his his pocket presence is so much better. His poise is so much better. And the thing is, where I want to maybe pump the brakes a touch is we've seen Cousins play sensational before with the Vikings. We've also seen him play awful, right? Uh, so it wouldn't be shocking to me at all if his opening six weeks, let's say, he plays really, really, really well. And I think through three weeks, you could say that he's played quarterback as well as anybody in the NFL to the point where if you were doing the MVP odds, you know, you'd have to give Cousins some consideration. If, you know, if, if we were, th- we could easily be 3-0 and and we could easily be 3-0 and largely because of Cousins because he marched us down the field in overtime against Cincinnati because he marched us down the fields uh, in week two against Arizona. And then here he was so dominant in week three, we didn't have to march down the field. He just put us up. Right. But I think there's a, you could reasonably say that after three weeks, still very early, but he is among the tippy top players in the NFL right now. And so if you were setting the MVP odds, you'd have to at least consider Kirk Cousins as part of that conversation. Um, But we've also seen him go cold, right? And go cold for multiple weeks at a time. And again, that's just kind of part of having Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. Now, I'd like to believe that he's finally turned the corner and this is the new cousins. And this is what we're going to get week in, week out. Um, and hopefully he's just raised his floor. Ho- hopefully he doesn't sink to as low as we've seen him go with both Washington and then now with the Vikings. But, you know, time will tell. And I just think in the meantime, let's just kind of enjoy what has been really fantastic play uh, from Cousins so far. Yeah, no, he has been been very good. And I think it's been funny, especially the last two weeks, where you see a guy like Kyler Murray or you see Russell Wilson and you see Kyler Murray like scrambling around. It's like, wow, well, like yeah. Cousins just can't compare to that. No, uh, no. And you see the way that Russell Wilson's able to roll out of the pocket and move around and, and like Cousins yeah. can do that. But it's like like there's th- certain characteristics that some of these quarterbacks that you're playing against are just far and away better um, they're just yep. they're elite at that at that trait at that skill, uh, mm-hmm. but Cousins just does so many things well, yep. um, and just doesn't seem to have many weaknesses. That it's just mm-hmm. really encouraging um, to see. And I think it's it's it makes sense why he's so underappreciated at times because of that. Because it's like he doesn't wow you with many things, but is just so mm-hmm. consistent and so good with with what he what he brings. Yeah, that's right. I think that's fair. Um, I know we want to transition to second down, but briefly, I know a lot of conversation was around Clint Kubiak going into the season. Yep. Um, in a minute, what, what would you say about, about Kubiak now after, after watching him in the last three games and particularly yesterday? Well, I say, so this, this came up again with Zim and he was, I think he said something to the effect of like, well, I, I don't think anybody could have called a good game in week one because you're constantly facing second and 20 and third and 20. And so mm-hmm. the suggestion is Zim wasn't entirely satisfied with the offensive performance in week one, but who was? None, none of us were satisfied with it, right? And so I think I think he's been really good, right? And so I think that I'm surprised by how much Cousins has been throwing, but he's been doing well at it. So, I mean, look, you know, if, if Cousins has thrown a ton and the offense is succeeding and we're moving the ball and scoring and winning, and throw. I don't freaking care, right? So 
I think Kubiak has done really, really well, uh, all things considered. And I think that you faced a little bit of adversity in that opening week. And then since then, the offensive line has really rebounded, played strong. Penalties are way, way down. Um, and it's not like we haven't run the ball. I mean, Madison, you know, went for over 100 yards yesterday on the ground, right? Like, Matt Madison had a really nice game, and Dalvin Cook had a really nice game in week two. So I, I, I give him credit. I, I think he's done really nice through three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And so transitioning a second down here, uh, definitely need to talk about the defensive side. And, and there were some defensive miscues, um, particularly the opening half was ugly. I think that the the second half was phenomenal and, and just a fantastic team performance. Um, mm-hmm. But looking back to that opening half, should we be concerned about Zim's side of the ball? So I think what I'm most concerned right now is the secondary. I think like most folks... Uh, it's a little bit concerning. So I was looking at PFF. They do these quick, like snapshot game analysis following um, following the games on Sunday. And so Monday morning, you can kind of get like a bit of a, a bit of a quick hitter to kind of see. And uh, you know, one thing I think they said here that caught my eye, and this is a direct quote from their little brief little analysis on the secondary, was uh, this is following some criticisms of Patrick Peterson. And then they say Breland didn't fare any better as he gave up nine catches on nine targets for 102 yards, a touchdown, and seven first downs. So I know there's been, and you know, Zim would tell you this, all kinds of fans tell you this. PFF doesn't know what the defensive call is. They don't necessarily know what the defensive responsibilities are, right? And so they may have said Breland is responsible for these nine catches on these nine targets and, you know, so on and so forth. When Perhaps that's not the case. Maybe, maybe there's another player who's responsible for that man, and Breland just happened to be you know, close to him at a particular moment, or whatever the case may be. But so whatever you want to say about PFF, that's fine, I guess. But I think we can all say that Breland is really, really struggling. Nine targets, nine catches, over 100 yards, seven of which for first downs. And as far as are like kind of inconsequential little catches that you know you know, amounts to nothing in the end. It was third and 12, and he allowed a four-yard catch. Who cares, right? But these are, you know, can decide a game, right? Like, if you're extending drives and that kind of thing, I think if I'm Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of Cleveland, who's going to be playing Minnesota this upcoming week, you know, the first thing I'm doing is looking at Chuck Breel and, and saying, okay, how can I scheme my playmakers onto him, uh, especially on critical downs? And so it's just tough, right? Like I, I understand that the the secondary needs a little bit of time to kind of gel and get their feet underneath them because you have so many new bodies back there. Breland's a free agent addition. Peterson's a free agent addition. Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Woods. Uh, but it's a little concerning. Now, my hope is that I, I thought Everson Griffin looked pretty good yesterday. Like he looked explosive. Like he looked like Everson Griffin does. Like he just, he just was firing off the ball and, uh, I think if Griffin can get going, and we already know that Daniel Hunter is very, very good. So if you get a little bit more help in the pass rush opposite Hunter, you know, then the secondary starts to look better, right? Like if you remember uh, Blitzology Brian, when he was on, he was talking, you know, pass rush is a coverage, right? Like that, that's part of your coverage, right? And so if the, the pass rush can get home, move the quarterback off his spot, I mean, I know it's difficult with Russell Wilson because you get him off his spot, he can extend the play and still make the throw. But a lot of times, you know, just disrupting the quarterback, you know, forcing him to move, right? 
And, uh, you know, we saw that a little bit yesterday. Zim brought some pressure, and, and Wilson was a little bit inaccurate at different times. So I think if we can get a little bit more consistent pressure opposite Hunter, right, and Hunter can hopefully continue being uh, really, really good, uh, then these things can improve, especially as the secondary plays a little bit more together. But I am a little bit concerned about Breland. Uh, I mean, when you when you're watching that game, you know, getting to the end of the first half, you know, what what are you thinking, Sam? Like, are, are you? Because I I predicted the 38-31 win for the Vikings. Like, I expected like a shootout, and um, you know, it didn't turn out that way in the end. But I going into the half, I was thinking to myself, man, oh man, if the Vikings win, it's not going to be too far off from that 38-31 guess. I mean, what what were you thinking about the defense? Yeah, like. Breland, unfortunately, at this point is standing out a little bit like a sore thumb um, at at times and hope for everyone's sake that he can pull it together. It is similar to last week almost where you watch how dynamic the Arizona offensive offense was with Hopkins. Like I was watching like DK Mm -hmm. Metcalf is an animal. Like he is just so big and so fast and just like, it is, yep. he is a very hard person to cover. Um, yep. So I was definitely concerned going into half, but I did feel like, and I felt like they did it last week to an extent, but for sure this week where they made some adjustments and like part of it was just, they didn't allow Seattle to have the ball for very long. Um, exactly. Yeah. But there did seem to be some adjustments. So I, I felt like they were going to be okay. I felt like they were, they still had a shot of Mm -hmm. winning the game, especially knowing that they're going to get the ball back in the third half or third quarter. Um, Yes. Yeah. But like, I just watching these games, you obviously, if you're going to make it to the playoffs, you've got to beat teams that are very good at certain positions. And um, like you look at yesterday and it's like, man, like Lockett and Medcalf to cover with Russell Wilson throwing the ball. Like that's a really hard recovery. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. a really hard coverage to, to, make up for those guys. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I felt like the defense played quite well. I think I, w- I was I would probably be more optimistic than most of thinking that they did a lot of good things. They just, there still is a, um, this big play thing that they, they give up yeah. big plays yes. and like you see like the Carson touchdown. And it's like, yeah. okay, like that was a mistake. That was a, like when, when they're, when they do make mistakes, it seems to really cost them. Yeah. And if you can eliminate those things, right? Like if you can eliminate those, like, you know, I think the broadcast was showing where Kendrick's kind of dipped underneath a little bit um, rather than getting, getting over into the gap. And so, I mean, look, this is, you're playing a good team, a good offense. You know, they force you to make mistakes here and there kind of thing. And so like, I don't want to, if you said to me before the game, your defense is going to hold Seattle to 17 points. I say friggin' right. Defense played awesome, right? Like, and I think after watching it, I feel a little different because I know they struggled so so much in the opening half. You had a little bit lucky with the missed field goal, and then the offense just took over. You know, But in, in, to their credit, the def- when the defense was out there, the few times that they were out there, they didn't allow Seattle to respond with their own five, six, seven, eight-minute drive, right? Like they forced the three and out. They forced them to, uh, you know, punt the ball away, right? And so I give them credit. And, and I'm, I don't know where most fans would stand on this, but I'm, I'm among those who still think that, you know, I think Zim still has his fastball. I, I think Zim can still bring it. I think he still does a pretty good job quite often of making halftime adjustments. And I think he's still a really good defensive mind. 
And I do think that by week nine, week 10, the secondary is going to look a lot different than it does right now in week three. Interesting. So that's, that's my take. I, I do honestly believe that. I don't think this is, defense has played particularly well. I think that Zim is going to get it right, though. And I think that by midseason, that defense is going to be playing well. Assuming health, assuming all those things. Um, yeah, I, I do have faith in Zim to, to get this right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that it does feel like from what I've I've seen that Zim, the conversation around Zim is is definitely picked up. Yes. Um, and that's yep. fair. Like the team is one and two at this point. But yep. Um, yep. yeah, if if a team can play like that, like they played yesterday, like I know Zim said, like the best this is the best offensive performance he's seen in eight years, which is just that's like, exactly right. Yeah, he did. That's yeah. that's a super encouraging statement, especially coming from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's without Delvin Cook. That's with, yeah. without your your elite running back. So, so I, I I do think that the defense add a lot of pieces over the summer, and like you, mm-hmm. you think that after all the training camp and preseason and three games in the season, you're hoping that they pull it together. Um, yeah. But I do have faith that this will continue to evolve and that they'll be a better and better team as time goes on, um, from mm-hmm. this, like on both sides, but. A quick note from our new sponsor at DraftKings. Uh, week three of football is now in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So we're going to kick off another action-packed week. I know the Vikings are going to be playing the, the Browns, and we're going to get into that shortly here. Um, DraftKings is giving away new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Head over to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any any week four game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not available yet in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. I think that you'll hear Kyle and I's prediction soon, but uh, maybe throw some money on the Vikings game coming up this weekend. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Um, let's transition to third down, and we've got the Cleveland Browns coming up. Um, the 2-1 and one Cleveland yep. Browns. How are you feeling about... This game, I, I feel like we've been talking, especially since they dug themselves a hole a little bit at the start. Yep. That, like, it feels like games are we, we've been cautious to label things must win because it's just, yep, it's not true. But exactly, this does feel like we've talked about wanting to go two and two at the start, um, yep. at, at yep. minimum. And so, it does feel like this would be one that would be really helpful to take it again, yeah. And that's that's exactly right. I mean, it's not must win in any mathematical sense. You could lose it and end up going 14-3 and three mathematically, I suppose, which would be an unbelievable season. But uh, it does, with exam- Sam's exactly right. 
I mean, the one thing, I mean, I'm nervous about different things, but I'm, I am nervous about their defense, in particular, their, you know, their pass rush. You know, Miles Garrett is really, really good. And then they also have Clowney, they have Tack McKinley, and they got different guys. You know, I, I'm looking at their PFF grades on, on the defensive side. I mean, they're just, they're going to be a handful, right? But it's not just the D-lines. In, in the trenches, they're really, really strong. Their offensive lines may, might be the best in the NFL, right? So we were just talking about, you know, we need someone to emerge opposite to Neil Hunter. We need to create that consistent pressure and get a quarterback off his spot. Man, that's going to be tough against Cleveland, right? And so, and then it doesn't matter how good your secondary is. If they're covering for five, six, seven seconds, life is difficult, right? So you really need your pass rusher to get home and to get home in a timely manner. And so I'm a little nervous in that I think both their offensive line and their defensive line could give us some issues. Uh, now, I believe this game is at home, which obviously obviously is a positive thing. And I believe, I mean, I never, I never cheer for injuries or anything like that. I think that's just super lame. But I believe Jarvis, Jarvis Landry is out, which certainly helps. Um, but they still got Kareem Hunt and still got Nick Chubb. So you're getting the lead offensive line. You've got an elite pair of running backs. Uh, you've got Baker Mayfield, who is good but not great. Sometimes is really, really good. Sometimes is pretty blah, pretty average. Uh, so we'll see what kind of Baker Mayfield we get on Sunday. Uh, I do think that you know, we're going to need the defense to step it up here, right? And if you can, and I'm sure that Zim is already thinking about this, if you can shut down that run game, which is easier said than done because the O-line is sensational and the running backs are sensational, but if you can shut down that run game, then I think you you stand a next chance overall. Uh, just because without the same receiving weapons, it's, it's going to be it's going to be tougher for Cleveland. And so my expectation would be that Zim goes in saying, okay, we need to really limit these two, Hunt and Chubb, and uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to have a tough time with, with their pass rush, and the offense is probably going to make a few mistakes as a result, but um, you know, they fared pretty well against uh, against Arizona's really elite pass rush, and so I would anticipate a lot of misdirection, a lot of screens, bootlegs, they need to do more play action, uh, and then I know that against Arizona, uh, you know the speed with which Cousins got rid of the ball—he was just lightning quick. And that was that was by design. That was part of the game plan. You know, it's hard to get home from the sack if he's passing the ball in like two and a half seconds, kind of thing. It just happens so quick. And so I wouldn't be shocked to see Clint Kubiak come up with a similar game plan of just death by a thousand paper cuts. You know what I mean? Where where we just we get the ball out quick and we picked up eight yards on that slam pass right and then we got the and then we had a bootleg and then we had a screen pass now, I, I don't anticipate many seven step drops you know to hit adam Thielen streaking down the field 50 yards right like uh so i'll say i'm nervous but i do th- all this to say that i think there are some strategic moves just like there's strategic moves against any opponent uh but i think if you do these things well beating cleveland is quite plausible i would say like, are you feeling hopeful going into this game? Um, see, like, look if if we were to look at it from the start of the season, even now, like, I think Cleveland's the toughest opponent opponent they faced so far this season. Really, um, really, more more so than Seattle. 
I think so. I would like really wow. when I started at the start of the season, like when we were talking about going two and two, I was thinking that those two losses would come against Cleveland and, and Seattle. Um, so it would be kind of funny yeah, to flip flip the script. Yeah, yeah, right. Looking at how Arizona played, like they are a very very good team. Yes, they um, are, and like yeah. a lot of fun to watch. Like I said to you last week, like mm-hmm. like I almost want to be a fan of this team because like there's <laughs> it's just like a lot of fun to watch someone like Kyler Murray yeah. and DeAndre Hopkins and and the guys yeah. like Jones and Watt on the defensive end. Um, like Cleveland right now has the second best rushing uh, offense in the NFL, and that's yeah. no surprise. Yeah, I can believe and it. So yep. Like yep. that's going to be a huge test for this Vikings defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I, I am hopeful if they can continue to do what they did yesterday, the the Vikings team. And and one of the things I was realizing that we didn't talk about was even just their ability to, to convert on third downs yesterday. Huge was super encouraging. Like Huge. and even like there was a couple of plays, the, especially at the end of the game, there was the the third down to kind of seal the win, and yep. it just looked automatic. Um, yeah, Justin Jefferson so the out route, fantastic. If if they can do that consistently. Um, I think they've got a real chance. And I don't think Cleveland is any by any ways like world beaters. Like, I think that they can they can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like they had a really good performance yesterday, which I actually feel better about playing a team that comes off a really good performance. I always feel like um, mm-hmm. it's hard to duplicate that two weeks in a row. Um, yep. So I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, do, do you want to do a prediction of, of the score? Yeah, all right. Uh here okay so i'm gonna put um i'll put it at 27 24 for the vikings i think it'll be reasonably close and i i don't think we'll be quite as explosive on offense so 27 24 vikings what do you got like i i feel like we need to predict a vikings win each week but that feels phony (laughs) yeah that's yeah that's right i i i don't honestly i don't if if I had to put my own money on it, I don't think they win on Sunday. Okay, yeah, all right. I would I, I would say lose. I like I desperately hope I'm wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. Really, really do. I I like Cleveland, um, but after seeing the win yesterday, it's so much better to to be so much. With that. It's but so much better. Yeah. If if I'm being completely honest, head honest, like I'd say 27-17 for Cleveland. Okay, interesting. So the offense struggles. Yeah, I just think I, I hope not. I'm I like this is just that's just gut reaction. That's where I'm I'm at. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. So so twenty seven seventeen rounds. I'm at twenty seven twenty four Vikings. So there's our there's our prediction, and I guess we'll we'll have to revisit that in that next episode and see see how it how it aged how it turned out. Yeah. Put it on the bulletin board. Exactly. Um, good. Well, we can transition to the odds and ends here and. Significant things have happened with the with Minnesota Wild since we we last talked. Kaprizov signs his deal, uh, five years, forty-five million dollars. Um, yep. I was realizing after there was there's been some uh, lack of clarity in terms of what Kaprizov's um, vaccination status is. It sounds like by the season start that it will be okay. I know last week it talked about it a little bit, and there's just there hasn't been a lot of clarity. Um, sure. But anyways, he's, he's quarantining right now, and he's good to go, and they've, they've signed him, and it sounds like there were some different negotiations around um, no move, no trade clauses, and right. where the money right. was allocated, and 
definitely right. there's a lack of uh, of bonus money but mm -hmm. by moving some of the salary into later years when escrow is hopefully less of a, an issue uh which mm -hmm. is for people that don't know it's basically the money that you have to pay back to the owners the the players are like significantly in debt with with the owners right now like upwards of like 1.1 billion dollars yeah. um yeah. which is just astronomical um, so they're paying that back until it sounds like at least 2026, 2027. Um, but overall, the deal is done, made it happen. Yep. Encouraging that, that he's part of this team now, and, and now they get to move forward and just play hockey, um, mm -hmm. which is great. And I, I think it's a, it's probably one or two million more per year, would you say, Sam, than what would probably be maybe ideal or what fans were hoping. But overall, you can't, you can't be too upset about this, can you? Like, this is good. No, I like. I think it's it's a lot. I just think that there's, I don't think there's a high risk of it being like a bust. Like I think right, that, right. Like the the concern would be he just like absolutely falls off and, um, sure. But, but I I don't I don't see that happening. Um, sure. Five years is, is a good term. I, it's definitely not. I last week I had said it was twelve years that Parise and Sutter had signed. It was actually thirteen. Um, that's just insane. Like even, Thirteen years. And like that's not even possible anymore. Now I know that it's capped yeah. it at eight years. Um, yeah. But five years is a long time. But I feel like it's a good sweet spot where it's like, you know, what you're not pegged with, like, like he signing five years. Like Caprizi and Sutter would have had, like their contracts would have been up a year before um, Caprizi's would have been, mm -hmm. like with the timeline of when they had signed. So like it's really not that yeah. that long of a, a deal. So I think that that's. That's encouraging. Um, yeah. So I like, yeah. You, it's it's money. It's a lot of money, but he had a ton of leverage. I I, don't, I can't remember an RFA like there's there's some big guys that that were around, and I know like the Leafs had a couple big names, but like just the amount of leverage that this player had with how much he means to this team. Um, I know he had threats of going to the KHL, which were debunked and and made to seem like threats at, at different stages um, mm -hmm. but got the deal done which is which is encouraging um but we're we're into hockey now like the minnesota's yeah, played his first preseason game uh another announcement it's crazy. They, it's crazy. marcus felino and matt dumba are now assistant captains coming this year which is actually mm -hmm. who i i thought would be named i know there's yeah. different names that are thrown around there's a lot of good candidates um but uh ready to play some hockey I'm into that. I mean, it's hard to believe. Like, it's, it feels a little bit surreal, frankly. Like, but yeah, amen. Let, let's let's get hockey going. Great, great time to be a sports fan. Absolutely. Good. Well, we can wrap up there. Uh, Kyle, where can listeners find more of your work? So head over to VikingsGazette.com and also head over to PurplePTSD.com. Do some writing in both spots. And uh, yeah, you can find on social media at VikingsGazette on Twitter if you like. Uh, otherwise, keep listening here. We appreciate uh, all those take a few minutes out of their busy lives to, to listen to Sam and I. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, and, and hopefully uh, get another win this week, and uh, we'll, we'll break it down next Monday. Thanks, for everyone, for listening.